1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Oh, well, hello. Uh, welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. This, of course, is the very special Monday Pickups Edition, which finds its way to your ears on Tuesday in all likelihood. Uh, Andy Barrons here to guide you per the usual protocol, and I am joined, as ever by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski. Uh, Scott, how are you? Doing great, Andy. Doing great. Um, It's an exciting time to be in the middle of the fantasy football season. Huh. I guess it is. Uh, It's a painful bye week, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, By the way, there's there's like a blind spot in my my Sunday NFL viewing because uh, my wife and I attended the uh, Chicago Sky game Uh, against the Mercury on Sunday Um, it's not too often I'm not sure you're aware of this but it's not too often as a Chicago sports fan that you actually get to witness a team winning a title in your home city basically never happens so that was pretty exciting Uh, congrats to them so basically the second half of the early games and the first half of the of the late games um, that's a that's a big blank spot for me right now (laughs) I'll try to keep that in mind uh congratulations to the sky i
0: i was disappointed they apparently did not record their version of the super bowl shuffle you were telling me (laughs) pre-show that they were around 500 for the regular season but um you know it's about how you peak at the right time and apparently they did women's basketball is one of those things that i used to be a beat writer for a college where i covered a lot of college hockey a lot of college basketball men's and women's And, and i think the women's basketball game is a sport that Translates a lot better when you're there than you might think if you're if you've only watched it from afar. They're very skilled athletes, and it's it's a very enjoyable experience. I've I've enjoyed girls and women's basketball on all different levels, and I think people if they have a I regret when I moved to Detroit
1: area not getting to a Detroit Shock game before the franchise left. Yeah. It's uh, the shooting's incredible. The the level of ball movement right now is so, I mean, the quality of the game is so good. Plus, there were so many legends on the floor. It was great. I was also pretty, pretty deep in my feelings because one of the first freelance pieces that I ever wrote locally around Chicago was um, for a, for an alt weekly. I, I did a cover story on Candace Parker when she was like a, a junior in high school. And I don't know. To see her win with the hometown team with all of her family around her, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty darn cool experience. So Plus you had five again, you had you had five dimes on the sky, right? Let's just get
0: that out there, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, shockingly, no, it's one of the, it's one of the few sporting events that I uh, have not actually invested my own hard money in, uh, other than, other than tickets. So, uh, congrats to them again, good times. Uh, nobody's checking this podcast necessarily for WNBA updates. So let's get right to it, but wait, hang hang on a second. Hang on a second. I can
0: actually make that translatable. So what Andy is saying
1: is you can (laughs) drop
0: Alan Robinson for any member of the championship sky. You will sign off on that.
1: Under normal circumstances, I'm not dropping Allen Robinson, but I'll allow it Uh, if you're adding a VanderSloot a Quigley. Sure. okay, I can I can I can I'm not going to I'm not going to officially sign off on it, but I'm willing to look the other way while it happens. That's what what (laughs) I'll say. Tacitly approve it. Got it. Yeah, a little bit of little bit of pre-show business here. um, With all the chaos that is being caused by bye weeks, and let me tell you, this week it is extreme chaos. Um, Chances are your fantasy football team could use a little bit of help. There is no better way to get that help than to sign up for Yahoo Fantasy Plus. Explore features such as the Trade Hub, which is great. The Research Assistant, also great. Cheat sheets plus a weekly newsletter that is lovingly crafted by, uh, by yours truly uh, to assist and entertain you. Get your free seven-day trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Huh. Um, Scott, this bye week, we got to talk about it. Uh, Buffalo, Dallas, Minnesota, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Jaguars, that is, uh, just by my my raw count, that is four of the absolute top, no doubt about it, starting fantasy QBs. That's like a dozen, maybe more, starting fantasy wide receivers. Like, I'm talking guys who are, like, in the wide receiver one, wide receiver two class. Uh, it's a couple of starting tight ends, and it's like, it's like five of the top ten fantasy running backs. I've done no research into this, but I feel like it might be the single worst bye week of all time. It's a bad one. Um, what we have to do is see
0: it as an opportunity. I actually like bye weeks. In the gosh, sense you're that so
1: hopeful. You're you're always man. If you want a sunshiny, optimistic spin, turn to Scott piano. Well, man. I like bye weeks because they they open up opportunities. we talked about this a little bit last week, but even more
0: so this week. We're deeper into the season. A week deeper into the season, your situation has more development. You now know if if you're wanna, you want know, to, if you're out in front of the herd, you're in the middle of the pack, or if you're desperately in need of a win no matter what and when people have players who don't play due to injury and man we had a lot of injuries last week and it's nfl and it's, it's a meat grinder of a league we, we know that's part of the story but between injuries and bye weeks this is where people get motivated to trade you know people don't trade out of the goodness of their own hearts you know their own their own benevolence or anything they trade because they need something because they have yeah emotional needs they have um Competition needs, you know, in in the league that we're in, the Charles Robinson commissioners, a 20-team league, which you just beat me, by the way, despite the fact that I I heroically, the 20-team league, heroically picked up Travis Homer off waivers on on Sunday morning and got like 52 total yards or something like that. I don't know why Seattle didn't make Homer the featured back because he was averaging 13 (laughs) yards a touch. But anyway, you and I were you, both
1: chasing Seattle backs there. Um, Twenty team league, so one of us added DJ Dallas. The you other had bid me on Dallas.
0: I, I put in a Dallas bid, and oh uh, of course gosh. Andy trumped it as as he you know hit the big the big swinger Deep that he pockets. is. And so I picked up Travis Homer. Still got spanked. In fact, Homer. There's nothing Homer could have done short of turning himself into Ladanian Tomlinson that would have won that game for me. <laughs> but in that league, so I'm going to be two and four. I, I you know Andy just squashed me. I have Austin Eckler who's heading into Biopolusa. I need to do everything I can to move Eckler during his bye week because he can't help me during the bye, and I can't go two and five in that league. Now, unfortunately, in a 20-team league, everybody else has problems, too. Everybody else has injuries. Everybody else has bye weeks, and that's a league where when you don't have a running back who's playing, you pick up Travis Homer. That's how deep that league is. It's really, really hard to find stuff, but – I'm going to try as hard as I can to trade Eckler. And I love Eckler. I mean, you know, I, I love him on the on the Eckler's Edge program with Liz Loza. I love him on the football field. I know he didn't do a lot against the Browns, but that's just a a game that, you know, a mulligan game for the Chargers. I don't think there's anything to take away from that. But I have to try to trade Eckler. or again, That's the position you're in. Usually we know in fantasy, okay, the two for one, the three for one. The idea is to get the one, to get the best player. But when you're in a league as deep as Andy and I are, and a lot of you will be in short, you know, more shallow leagues where the waiver wire is always rich with players. You you want to you're two for one, three for ones, you want to get the one. But in a league this deep where you're just trying to put a quality team on the field, it could make sense for me to trade Eckler for two or three starters who are all good, not great players. That actually might be the, the right move for me to do. And I'm gonna audit the rosters and see if I can find a trading partner. Not always easy to trade in that league, but I'm gonna do everything I can to, to try to get something done.
1: Yeah, a big part of the difficulty there is that uh, everybody's got weaknesses and nobody, you know, it's a, a league of that size. Um, I found this when I was trying to pair up an offer with you, right? Like I, I... I think I'm I, f- I forget what it was exactly, but like I was trying to give you Aaron Rodgers and I would take Baker Mayfield back. And there were a couple of other things, but I just don't ha- like I have one running back. Right. I have Nick Chubb. And then I'm just guessing at these DJ Dallas types um, in the second running back slot because it's a it's a damn 20 team league. Right. Like nobody's got nobody's got three really good running backs um, where they can where they can throw one at you in exchange for Eckler. So, it, you know, it's just it's just tough. Like y- you being able to backfill. Running back after you deal Eckler, even if it's a you know a a one for three sort of deal, it's just going to be it's really going to be tough to find that trading partner. I can't think of who it is off the top of my head. Neither could I. Again, I you know if my team had shown up otherwise, I would have been really happy that Homer got me like
0: six points. That actually yeah. was a win. You know, he's one of the few players who <laughs> out, out kicked his coverage in week in week six. But but mistakes were made, and um and we're here to help people. There's again a lot of injuries, a lot of buys. So let's see if we can find. Find some players to help the people out there.
1: Yeah. So, I, again, I just can't believe the teams that are on by this week and how concentrated it is among the, the very best uh, uh, real-life fantasy teams, right? Like, it's, it's wild. So there's a pretty good chance that some of the lowest scores in your league are produced in the week ahead. So it's like, you know, we're just trying to find a way to get to 100 points in a lot of leagues. 90 points will do it uh, uh, this week. And why don't we why don't we start the pickups uh, review with the with the running back position, which is just there's a whole I, I got a whole lot of bad ideas for you here. That's how I that's like, as I look at it. That's that's what I think of it. Um, there's a bunch of sketchy names, a bunch of guys who are past their prime, past their expiration dates. There are a bunch of guys here who are probably viable ads for like a single week and then maybe not beyond it. Um, We should probably talk about injuries at the top. Antonio Gibson was clearly dealing with, uh, uh, again, he's got like a stress fracture in his shin. So... Kudos to him for, for even attempting to play through it. I don't know that I would podcast through it, but he's, he's trying to play NFL games with a, with a stress fracture. So that's really admirable. But it limited him. Obviously, he had to come off the field. Um, Kareem Hunt was probably the biggest injury, suffered a calf injury that's going to keep him out multiple weeks. He'll, he's probably headed to IR. Nick Chubb was already out, and they play a Thursday game. So that's, you know, obviously Hunt's not going to be back. Pretty good chance that Chubb isn't going to be back. So here are some ads that I have for you. I don't know how you'll feel about any of these names, but these are these are the guys that I touched on in the pickups column. Um, we should probably talk about Ramondre Stevenson, who had a bit of a, I guess we'd call it a supporting role behind Damian Harris, who was great, who was perfectly fine in the Dallas game. I cannot predict game flow in Patriots games, by the way, for, for the life of me. Ramondre came on, looked really frisky, looked actually really good as a receiver, which, of course, is a big deal uh, with James White out for the year. J.D. McKissick and perhaps... Jarrett Patterson uh, with the Washington football team, because we don't yet know the status of Antonio Gibson, but he's clearly hurting. McKissick is only available in about 55 percent of Yahoo leagues, So he's not out there everywhere. Certainly any PPR league, he's probably already gone. But he saw a pretty significant workload against the Chiefs. That was predictable. Patterson... uh, undrafted rookie out of Buffalo, had some legendary games in the Mac. He scored, I I believe the number is 53 touchdowns in 32 career games in the Mac. He, you know, three times a thousand yard rusher. He's pretty fun. Um, He could be a plug and play again if Gibson weren't able to go. We could probably devote a separate podcast to the Baltimore backfield. Um, I listed Devontae Freeman among the potential pickups only because he's played 20 plus snaps in back-to-back weeks. That's something. It's an amazing array of like fantasy stars of 2016 that uh, the Ravens are rolling out there right now. I feel like I keep having to mention Mark Ingram because he keeps getting 15, 16, 18 carries that happened again this week. Uh, And then we probably need to talk about, well, we should mention Kenyon Drake. Uh, and I'll give you my thoughts right now. Kenyon Drake had a couple of touchdowns, but he only saw six touches, only played 12 snaps. I don't think there's a clear path to value for Ke- for Kenyon Drake, uh, absent a Josh Jacobs injury. And then the other two guys we we got to mention are Dearness Johnson and Demetric Felton with the Browns, because they could be in the Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt roles this week on Thursday against Denver. You just take it from there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a lot of a lot to sort through, and I'm not sure there's any winners here. McKissick is the safest guy. If you just want a single, if you just need somebody to fill out your flex or a lower end RB two, he's probably going to have four or six catches this week, and, and with the upside to more if they fall behind. So he, he's the safest play here. I like Stevenson, but the New England backfield is isn't there's just no pattern that you can decipher. It's um it's the unsolvable SAT question. <laughs> so you, you could pick up Stevenson and get any for all. And we also know he actually he made a mistake. I think he made a mistake in that game. I don't know if it was a, he blew a blitz or something like that. And Tony was like, oh, OK, we're not going to see Stevenson for three weeks. Something like that. Um, <laughs> just every coach doesn't like it when you fumble. Or you or you miss a blitz pickup. I think it was Stevenson. I'm not positive I have the right Patriot back identified because they're all starting to muddle together than to me. After a while, and and isn't it fun what the Ravens are doing? Right, I'm shocked the Ravens have not added added Adrian Peterson to their running back room, right? And just dominate the mid 2000s, and they all scored touchdowns too. um, In a week where Lamar Jackson, you know, was for by his standards muted as a runner, they let all of their old guys score touchdowns. Freeman's probably the best pass catcher or he wasn't maybe better than Bell at their peaks, but it seems like Freeman is somebody they're willing to throw the ball to. So I would prioritize him over the other guys. I think
1: it's right that you've listed him here. Yeah, my thing with Freeman is that he was on the field when they fell into catch-up mode against uh, against the Colts Indy. a couple weeks ago, right? So that seemed valuable. Not that they throw the ball to the running back position particularly often, but it was meaningful that he was on the field there. And then he kind of repeated that same workload this past week. Sure, yeah. If they get in a two-minute drill situation, hurry up offense, it feels like he fits the offense better, certainly better
0: than Murray and probably better. I, I'm not sure how much Le'Veon Bell has left, although he did get in the end zone. I feel like there's a right answer in Cleveland. I'm not sure Felton has played more, but Johnson may be more of a two down grinder who could get play. I'm yep. going to try to do some Intel on that. Um, Cause I may need Dearness Johnson against the Thursday game. So they don't have a lot of time to, to really um, mess with things. Also, we don't know Baker Mayfield status. I think he's going to play, but I mean, his shoulder, it, it, he's like a one-armed quarterback right now. I mean, his shoulder is just hanging off. It's um, I, I give him credit for toughness. I would take one F NFL hit and I'd be done pretty much for the rest <laughs> of my life. But um, these guys are these guys are really, really tough. So I, I think they would like to try to win that game on the ground, which Cleveland likes to do anyway. And uh, did you even mention Michael Carter, 52%? I guess he, he's a little bit over the threshold. Uh, the Jets are off a, a bye, so he may have been... I, I suspect that 52% probably came down because people had injury problems in Week 6. Maybe yeah. they had to drop Carter. They couldn't have held Carter. And hey, look, I get it. The Jets are... You know, we wouldn't mind if they were in this bye week because they just don't have much to give us for fantasy. But Carter, I can tell myself a story where he's likely to get 10 plus touches as a running back. Maybe he could get 15 to, to 17. And that's a currency. Anybody, i and that's the reason why I'm not in love with any of the Raven guys. None of them had 10 carries. That offense is always going to be routed through Jackson. They have Muls to feed in the passing game. So I don't know that if you pick up Freeman, you know, you might get eight carries. You might have to make do with eight carries. At least I'll say this about Michael Carter. I feel very confident he'll get double-digit touches in this game. So I like Carter. Again, he's over the 50% threshold. It's cheating a little bit. McKissick is your safest bet if you just want to get on base. No home run potential with McKissick. And Dearness Johnson, I think, is who I will prioritize in Cleveland. And I agree with you with Kenyon Drake. The touchdowns on the low snaps. There's an obvious starter in front of him. Uh, yeah. Kenyon Drake is somebody. Unless I was absolutely desperate for any warm body, I, I don't know why you haven't had Travis Homer here in twenty team leagues. He's obviously. A, <laughs> yeah, I was a week ahead on that. I don't. I don't. Every everybody touting him this week in their sleeper pieces, but, um, yeah, I, I agree I'm, with you. I'm that saving that for my
1: subscribers only. Twenty team. There, there you go.
0: Yeah, that's a premium. Yeah, that's that's a Glenn Glenn, Glenn Ross lead. You know, that's <laughs> that's not uh, something you give out to the public. But I agree with you. The Kenyon Drake is probably a wrong answer. Yeah, um, um,
1: and, and Drake is. I, You know, I knew I knew I was going to see the name in the in the transaction trends when we started looking at the hottest ads this morning. Um, but I, I, I just want people to know, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're this deep into it, you probably already know that it's not as if Kenyon Drake leapfrogged anybody yesterday. He played his usual dozen snaps. Two of them, you know, ended in the end zone. I, hey, like. Amazing effort from the Raiders. Uh, we should probably mention that was that was quite a week that they just went through. And uh, and to end it with a with a win over Denver like that was uh, was particularly impressive. So big game from Drake. But I I, I got to say, I didn't see anything repeatable there. I agree with you on Dearness Johnson. Uh, I, I think he's the Browns back to add. I will say, however, that I just don't think – I just don't think he's going to be like a multi-week play. So it's a it's a brutal, painful bye week, but it would not be a situation unless I was, you know, unless I was a winless team or a one-win team, something like that. I would just not pull – I would not push all the chips in for Johnson because obviously Chubb comes back and then he probably comes back to an expanded role with Hunt out for a protracted period of time. And I, I just don't see like I feel like Felton has a role that was already established. He's much more of a full PPR play than anything else, I think. And and Johnson is probably the guy that you'll want in any other format. Um, One thing about Hunt I want to mention really quickly. I, yeah. He got four starts last year when Chubb didn't play. And he
0: obviously started week six. You know, he, got, he got hurt. He got hurt late in the game. He's come in under projection, I believe, in every one of those starts. I'm going to try to remember this next time Hunt gets the backfield to himself because he was a guy I liked in DFS this week. And again, I, I can't harm a guy. I can't fault the guy for getting hurt. But it was late in the game. He's been surprisingly just ordinary when he's been asked to handle that backfield by himself. We're talking about a five-game sample now, which I think is interesting.
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 true. And now he's probably absent for uh, could be a month and a half. Um, it's going to be a while that they're that they're likely to be without him. Uh, and the final thing that I, I agree with you on is Michael Carter, who I was going to kind of save for the end because he doesn't he has not officially hit the threshold that we like to use here. But he's he's the one guy who and this will happen. Right. Guys coming off by weeks who just get dropped in, you know, their their roster percentage will will dip like 10, 15 percent because you can't hold everybody through a buy. And I get it. He's a he's a Jets running back. And that's been kind of a minefield. But he's I mean, to his credit, he's emerged as pretty clearly the number one there. And behind him, it's it's Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman fighting for scraps. But but Carter is the guy that we can we can at least we think now look at and say, okay, this is a pretty bankable double digit touch guy, which sure as heck matters in week seven, which is, again, one of the worst bye weeks I've ever seen. And let's also
0: remember last year maybe this applies more in November and December, but last year the rookie running backs really hit an upswing in the second half of the year. And Mm -hmm. there's been some talk that maybe that's a position where maybe it's not as plug and play as we thought. We used to think, okay, rookie running back, you know, week one, let's, let's do it. And last year you need to be patient with DeAndre Swift. You need to be patient with Jonathan Taylor. I'm not saying that Carter's upside is anywhere near those guys, but, the point is a lot of times these running rookie running backs tend to age better into their first season and the second half or off a of bye week maybe, maybe he just feels more comfortable. What does NFL speed feel like? What does a running lane look like in the NFL? It's something totally different yeah. than what it looks like in college. So just to keep an eye that it wouldn't surprise me. This is why I, I think every fantasy analyst has to say that like Javonta Williams is a great guy to get in Denver, but I still think at some point he's going to push Melvin Gordon out of the way, or perhaps leap over him, which he hit an impressive run and a leap, against the, the Raiders. But I, the rookie running backs, a lot of times it takes a while for them to kind of hit their stride. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do after their bye week or in the second half of the season. And although Carter isn't prominent on that list, he is on that list.
1: He, it was quite a week for hurdling in the NFL, by the way. Like I, I, I saw the Javante hurdle, which was like a legit... Cleared a guy, gained extra yards after the hurdle. But the day started with Mike Gusecki hurtling directly into a defensive player's arms, which I don't think I've ever seen. He just jumped right into his arms like he expected to be caught. It was it was it was incredible. But I, I'm impressed that you you woke
0: up early enough to watch the Jaguars and the uh, and the Dolphins. Maybe that can transition never to miss a
1: game because people
0: don't have Trevor Lawrence this week. You know, maybe, I don't know why Miami didn't get a bye week after the London game. Doesn't
1: seem right. They're playing Atlanta off their bye. A team coming off a bye. Yeah, it's it's wild. There's six teams on bye and the Dolphins aren't one of them. It's wild. Yeah, if you want a Dolphins bye week,
0: by the way, you have to wait till week 14. Remember, 18-week season. So uh, you will not have Mike Gusecki
1: in week 14 hurtling people. <laughs>
0: but you know, some people don't have Dak Prescott or Justin Herbert. So I, maybe we should dip into this quarterback pool.
1: Yeah, let's talk the quarterbacks. Uh, obviously, you mentioned it earlier, Baker Mayfield's, uh, it's his non-throwing shoulder, but it's a mess. Um, it, he's clearly in a lot of pain, had to Had to exit the game briefly. Sounds like he intends to go on Thursday, but again, really, really messy injury situation there. And this is clearly something that he's going to be dealing with uh, perhaps for the rest of the season. Prescott. Tweaked his calf, uh, I believe, in the final play of the of the Dallas Patriots game. But he's headed to a bye. He already sounded fairly optimistic about the injury after the game. So I'm not I'm not overly concerned there. We're really we're worried about, you know, replacing him and Josh Allen and Kirk Cousins and Justin Herbert and this crazy collection of quarterbacks who are out this week. Um, So here are the names. Here are the names that I wrote about. And it feels like a bit of a list of usual suspects, but let's talk about him anyway. Uh, Jameis Winston. And I'll, I'll just, like, I know all the issues with Jameis Winston, the YOLO throws and the, the low passing volume so far this season. I just want to point out that his next four games are are against teams that are that are all among the 12 most generous to the quarterback position. It's like Seattle, Tampa, Atlanta, Tennessee. It is a it is a great streak of games. So I I do feel like he's somebody that we can use to get through the occasional difficult bye week. The other guys that I mentioned, I don't even feel great about Carson Wentz. uh, He's coming off a streak of three straight games with two touchdown passes. Teddy Bridgewater had a good fantasy day in an otherwise ugly day for Denver. And maybe you can give me your thoughts on on Tua. Uh, from the London game. He, it wasn't a bad stat line. He sure missed a bunch of throws.
0: Yeah. And, and the interception he threw, it, it seemed like the intended receiver Wild. Was, um, was one of the Jaguars. I just underthrew his target by like seven or eight yards. And it wasn't, it was just an intermediate throw. I, I don't have a lot of long term faith in two. Uh, you know, Teddy, to me, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater ever has smash weeks. But if you need like 275 and two, I feel like that's within the range of outcomes for Teddy. He'll run for somewhere between 10 and 20 yards more often than not. We like who he's throwing the ball to, right? Mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton's great. Uh, Tim Patrick, we'll talk about again because Tim Patrick is destined to be on this podcast every week of the season. <laughs> uh, Noah Fant looked really good on Sunday. He's been inconsistent this year, which is what you expect from an Iowa graduate. But stop um, it. He's still, still very talented. Very talented, you know. Um, what did they do against Purdue on Saturday? I, I don't. I don't know if they didn't know when the game was or something. I felt like they showed. This up is a Purdue game. free podcast. Oh yeah, you're going to show about the Mercury uh, Sky result. You're <laughs> going gonna to handle the Iowa Purdue game too. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm out on Jameis because uh, he's not a runner, and I think the Saints are. They don't want hair on fire, Jameis. They don't want yellow, Jameis. They want. You know, play within the context of the offense. Throw, th- offense throw twenty-two passes, Jameis. And that's not what fantasy wants. I would play Bridgewater first. And even though Carson Wentz is like that shaky closer that you can't watch, but he's worth rostering because he gets saves. Carson Wentz will probably give you a you know quarterback thirteen fantasy line this week. You do not want to watch it, but at least T.Y. Hilton's back, right? We like Michael Pittman, yeah. Jonathan Taylor. You know, can catch the ball. and Naheem Hines can catch the ball. I wish they would make Mo Cox a thing. I really think he could be like a top ten tight end if they would prioritize him, but they just Jack Doyle is is like the he, he must be like the captain of the team or something because Jack Doyle has to play. <laughs> but I, I want Moile Cox to play more. But I'm open to playing Wentz. I think Bridgewater's a proactive play. Uh Tua, if I was backed in a corner, I, I can't with any good confidence sign off on Winston. I, I just don't trust that the volume will be there for him.
1: Well, I will say that I would go Winston over Tua, which is not exactly a ringing endorsement. But again, Winston is somebody who, to me, has at least some. I can tell myself a story over the next month if you care about matchups, because the matchups are all just absolutely spectacular. To your point, I don't know that they intend to ever throw the ball 35 times. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that we'll see that all year. And I, I, I don't know that I really care much about the receiving core until Michael Thomas comes back either, but that's going to happen soon. So um, Winston is at least somebody that I would probably play over Tua in the short term. And it's a perfect, it's just a perfect description of Carson Wentz. He's, he fits into that, that Dwayne Bowe category for me, where you just don't want to watch. You don't want to, you you don't want to know how the, the, you know, the, the stew was made, so to speak. Um, You, you just want to, you, you just want the results at the end of the day. You just want a steaming bowl of it when it's all done. Um,
0: At some point, at some point he will hold the ball and hold the ball and you would just scream out, throw it, <laughs> get rid of it, go run out yeah. of bounds, do something, you know. We're in October, right? If Carson Wentz were in a horror movie, he would go into the room where the killer is, you know, or if, if, <laughs> if, you, if you're not supposed to go in the bathroom with the closet, that's where Carson Wentz would go. He would go the worst possible place to go. So again, you can't, <laughs> don't suffer through the snap to snap. It's just, it's just
1: going to cause your heart rate to go up and nobody needs that. Hey, let's all run to that creepy outbuilding with no lighting. Um. Exactly. That's Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah. Carson Wentz is your guy leading the way. Um, before we, before we get away from the quarterbacks, let's, uh, let's talk about a good one. Let's, let's leave a better taste in our mouths than this. Um, talk to me about, uh, talk to me about your rest of season expectations for, for Joe Burrow. I talked about him on Fantasy Football Live this Sunday, and I just, I just find his season really interesting because we... We thought that the reason we were going to I'm 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 saying we here, perhaps you didn't think this. I did. I came into the season thinking, well, Joe Burrows, a can't miss because we know based on what they did last year, that they're going to play fast. They're going to run a lot of plays. It's going to be 40 attempts per game. And none of that has happened. Absolutely. None of that has happened. They are they're near the bottom of the league in plays per game. Burrow himself doesn't yet have a 40 attempt week. He's he's maxed out at 38. And for the most part, it's, you know, 20 something, it's 30. And he's been great, right? He's He's been terrific. It's multiple touchdown passes in every game to this point. He has thrown a bunch of pit. There's like one throw each week that is just absolutely into the arms of a defender. And, and you're like, wow, how did that happen with this guy? But the rest of it is really clean. And uh, he's he's just been a really bankable fantasy commodity, but not for any of the reasons that I had expected. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking for your impressions. Like, where would you, I don't know, is he a top 12 quarterback the rest of the way? Is he top 14? What, what range does he fall in for you?
0: Yeah. Top 12 sounds right. And when I say top 12, he's probably QB 11, QB 12, but mm-hmm. somebody who's inside that weekly start line, Chase has been better. I think than anybody had a reason to, ex- I mean, we, we all knew you draft a player where Chase went, you expect him to be a difference maker, but I mean, he looks like a Justin Jefferson you know, rookie season, Randy Moss rookie season kind of difference maker. Maybe maybe comparing to Moss is a little bit too far, but because Moss, I felt like Moss just broke football in a way that yep. I've never really seen anybody else do before at that position, Jefferson included. But uh, Chase has been the real deal. Uh, to my disdain a little bit that they're, they're kind of phasing out Tyler Boyd. He's been the player losing volume here. Yeah. The Bengals offensive line is starting to gel and play a little bit better every week. You can see Burrow gaining in confidence. And I think what's hurt that the pass call, the, the volume, the, the pass attempt column are two things. One is that Burrow's been efficient, and two is that. And I want to say this carefully because I, the NFL has made it such a pinball league that defense almost doesn't even matter anymore. Like unless you're absolutely unbelievable at defense. You know, you, even the defenses I thought were going to be good, like the Rams or, you know, some weeks they're good, some weeks they're not. The Steelers, some weeks they're good, some weeks they're not.
1: But How bad was Denver this past week? They right, got a right. bunch of brand the, names. Yeah. But the
0: Bengals' defense is a lot better than anybody expected. And I think it's at least a top 10 unit. So you could have a game where the Bengals go to Detroit impose their will, do whatever they want, and Joe Burrow wore a hat for the last nine minutes of that game. They, they preemptively yeah. – I, I always scream for teams to do this when games are blowouts. Why, why are you having the one guy you can't replace on your team play meaningless snaps? I mean, all, all during 2007, I was begging the Patriots to take Tom Brady out before somebody gave him a cheap shot or something like that. But teams generally don't do that anywhere near as often as I would from both sides too. If you're down 35-3, to three, what, what are you trying to do? Just get get off the field, get on the bus – and okay, now group. you're
1: subtweeting the Giants. I know, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But um, yeah, I like Burrow. I, I'd say right around quarterback twelve. And also, we saw something that hadn't happened until this week is they had been reluctant for whatever reason to throw Joe Mixon the ball, and Mixon was active as a mm-hmm. pass catcher against Detroit. You get Joe Mixon going, who you know wasn't maybe at full health the last few weeks. If you can get him going, the offensive line is starting to gel. You have a really deep group of receivers. You even have a tight end who's popping every once in a while in Uzoma. It was a fun team. I, I wonder if this could maybe be the team I thought the Browns were going to be. You know, they're both right mm. right around. Uh, I mean, right now, Cleveland's in last in that division, and they they really need to win this Broncos game. But maybe this year, the Bengals are that Browns team. The fun, oh, look, they're 10-7. They got the final playoff spot. I think that's in the range of outcomes for the Bengals. And obviously, it all starts with Burrow having a nice comeback season
1: yeah just to just to put a finer point on the the strides the Burrow has made he's averaging 8.9 yards per attempt right, right at this moment which is 2.2 2 more yards per attempt than he averaged last year um when we were like hmm this guy's pretty exciting like a jump of over two yards per attempt is really something um the td percentage might be unsustainable right it's it's eight percent but again uh he's got he's got a, a the i mean jamar chase looks like a superstar i don't i don't have another word for it he looks he looks like he's going to be absolutely fantastic um and and he's completing over 70 percent of his throws so just a hyper efficient season which is exactly what we didn't necessarily expect from Joe Burrow or that's not the reason that we thought he was going to be an interesting fantasy asset um, but he's just he's just absolutely been terrific I, I think it's a good it's a good way to phrase it that uh, that Cincinnati is perhaps the team that we thought uh, that we thought Cleveland might be sitting here at four and two
0: Nope, I'll sign off on all that
1: all right, let's talk. Let's talk some receivers because this is this is kind of messy as well. Uh, Kadarius Tony, another guy who looks like a star, re-injured his ankle. That's going to be a concern. Um, T.Y. Hilton came back from IR, a, a pretty significant injury. Came back from IR, tweaked his quad. Although he made it sound after the game that it wasn't going to be a particularly serious issue, so I'm not terrified about that just yet. I took the bold step this week of actually leading the pickups column with Tim Patrick because I don't want to have to write about him again. And I, I don't have new things to say about him. He's just he's just really good. He's super productive. I feel like all you people out there, um, you say that you want consistent players and then when one falls into your lap, you you don't add him anywhere. Tim Patrick is still sitting out there, 65% available in Yahoo Leagues. He has at least 80 receiving yards or a touchdown in five of six games this year. He's been fine week in and week out. He's giving you double-digit fantasy points. I know that he doesn't have some supernova week. I know that he's not a Cardinals receiver or something like that. And there's there's perhaps not absolute blow-up potential here. But he's giving you double-digit fantasy points absolutely every week. Please, please. Go at him. I don't want to have to keep talking about him. Uh, other guys that I that I threw in here, uh, Darnell Mooney, still not 50% rostered, which is a little surprising to me. I did toss in AJ Green and Christian Kirk because they are just under 50% rostered. I don't think people need... I don't think people need a deep explanation as to why Arizona receivers are are worth rostering in fantasy, right? When they, when they pop, they can really pop. Um, and there's a lot of touchdowns available there. Uh, I, I think T Y Hilton is, is certainly a fine ad at this point. That's a pretty frisky offense. And then I tossed in a couple of, couple of usual suspects that we hit last week in Marquez Callaway and, and Rashad Bateman. We've been talking up a little bit lately, although you have a fire take about Rashad Bateman that we can get to a little bit later. I also felt and and this may go into the Kenyon Drake. Well, maybe it's too much of an insult to say it's the Kenyan Drake category. But I feel like we have to talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was like the flavor of the week for Cleveland this week. um, It was Njoku last week. It's always somebody I'm not particularly excited about Peoples-Jones, but I know he's going to get added in tens of thousands of leagues. It wasn't a huge target total. One of the touchdowns was was just a, a bomb, a hail mary. It was thrown into a crowd, right? Um, so I, I don't know. People are going to be excited about him in the same way that they were excited about Njoku. You're all dropping Njoku this week, and you're all adding people's Jones. And it's I feel like it's just going to be a different Browns player every week for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, you, you're right to discount the hail mary. It's just not a repeatable thing. Also, I, I think people tend to overrate the hyphenated last name player. You know, you feel like you're getting <laughs> you're, you're adding people's so Jones plus. We're so desperate to watch a Cleveland receiver do something, right? I was joking on yeah. Twitter. Just just pretend that Donovan Peoples-Jones is Odell Beckham. Everybody happy? And, and by the <laughs> way, does Kadarius <laughs> Toney – I don't want to go too far with this, but does Kadarius Tony remind you of Beckham? He reminds me of Beckham for a few reasons. One first-round pick, wasn't ready to play opening day. He was hurt. Yeah, you know, people weren't the sure thing. to roster him or not. And he's got this ability to stop and then start his motion again and be like at full speed so quickly. His, his lower body agility – and just, he's like a slinky out there. I I, yeah. I have no shares of Tony. I have nothing to gain by him being great. I'm certainly not a Giants fan of, of any consequence, but I just get excited watching him play. And when he, he had three first quarter catches in that Rams game, and to see him get hurt early in the game was, was frustrating because I just want, he's a, you know, he looks like he could be an Odell Beckham. That's who he reminds me of. i, I it's kind of sorry that he didn't get number 13, that somebody else wears it on the Giants. But I, I just want to say it, what a fun player he is, and I, I hope he's back soon. Please pick up Tim Patrick. He's the only guy in this list who I feel that we can project. If I was doing the receiver fearless forecast this week, I did them last week. I don't know if if Patrick would even get into the top 30 or 35 that we do videos for, but I think the next time I do the receivers, I'll just do it and say, look, you guys want, as you said, you hit the nail on the head. You want consistency. You want something you can bank on. Tim Patrick's getting you 70 yards or a touchdown every week. Take it to the bank. And if you want the poor man's Tim Patrick, he doesn't have anywhere near the touchdown equity. But, and he had kind of a quiet game in week six. But I can tell you, Hunter Renfro is getting six catches for 71 yards this week or five for 58, something. Yeah. Hunter Renfro will show up. And in a 16-by week, I think he's very bankable. After that, I would lean towards the Arizona guys just because you're getting a share of Kyler Murray. You're going to have to do it on low targets. I mean, everybody has to do it on low targets in Arizona. I actually think it's a great time to trade DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't have a double-digit target game this whole season. He's living on touchdown deodorant. They just added a tight end. who's a multi feed in Earths. We know Rondell Moore is a talented player. He can't really get on the field that much. I would say, again, we always talk about, I want to trade a receiver. Let your opponent come up to Hopkins. Because I, I, just, I think Hopkins is 135, 130 target player now. He used to be 160 off the bus, and they don't want to play that way. Yeah. But but you know when you're looking to add a receiver, you're looking for a wide receiver, three, a flex, a temporary fill-in. Green and Kirk would be perfectly fine for that. As far as Darnell Mooney, um, I, I listened to the excellent Pat Fitzmorris podcast last week. He had, uh, I think, Dave his name was the guest, and they were talking about the Bears' passing game because you know, who doesn't want to talk about the Bears' passing game? And I think it was <laughs> Klugis' theory that I would be one that maybe Darnell Mooney, at this stage of Justin Fields' development, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing. Listen to the pod and hear what they actually said, because you know, I'm, I'm not exactly quoting word for word. But maybe it's easier for Fields at this point in his development to throw to Mooney because when Mooney's open, he separates, he's wide open where the plays that usually involve Allen Robinson involve a defender in the window. It's a confidence throw. It's a tighter window throw. And maybe it just makes sense that Mooney is going to be the Fields guy for a while until Fields gets a sense of what NFL throwing windows look like. I'm going to rank Mooney over Robinson this week. I think I did last week. I don't remember exactly, but it's not that Mooney is better than Robinson. I just think right now he fits what Fields is good at better than Robinson does.
1: Man, they sure did have Allen Robinson streaking down the field uh, with no one between him and the goal line uh, this, pa- this past Sounds weekend good. against Green Bay. And uh, Fields, I don't know, didn't see him. Um, it wasn't even like a – it wasn't a bad game for Fields, and we saw a little bit of him as a rusher um, over over 40 rushing yards in that one had at least one really nice drive the interception I don't even really put on him because he thought he had a free play uh, and, a, and a flag didn't get thrown so not a bad game but man did he miss the biggest possible play <laughs> to Allen Robinson and that was a lo- that was a little bit frustrating there's just there's one or two throws that that just come open each week that he that he hasn't seen yet
0: we'll talk about this tomorrow um, for Wednesday release on the handicapping pod with Frank Schwab I think the initial line between Tampa Bay and Chicago is like 12 or 12 and a half and that I know the Bucks are good, but that is too many points, man. That is just an insult
1: hmm. to to Matt Nagy and, and the Chicago Bears. <laughs> we should—I mean, it should be a telling game, um, just just in terms of learning something about Fields, because it's it's a matchup where I just, you know, it screams that you need to throw the football. Yep, right. Nobody um, tries to I run mean, Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen we've seen teams. I mean, shoot, Dallas with Zeke Elliott, a 90 million dollar back. Right. Like they didn't even really attempt to run against against Tampa. It's an absolute stonewall. You're not going to get anywhere running Khalil Herbert into that into that defensive front, you know, 20, 25 times. It's just not going to you're not going to dent it. You know, you try to keep pace with that pace by throwing the football because they've got a really dinged uh, secondary. Um, it is the obvious path uh, against them. So we'll see if the Bears actually do it. Like, I'm I'm waiting for it. I thought we might, and we got a little bit more against Green Bay, but I was thinking we might really get a, a game plan that tilted toward the pass, and we have to get one against Tampa. So I'm just anxious to see what it looks like, should Justin Fields ever actually throw the football 40 times. Well, I mean, you got to think this is the week, right? By the way, I like, I like Herbert. I think Herbert actually might be better than Damian Williams. Um, a couple
0: of really nice... Cutback runs and uh, he can get small in the hole. I I I think he's a nice player, but we, you know, you can't play him with any confidence against Tampa Bay. I, they yeah. have to take the training wheels off fields and say, hey, you get to throw it forty times this week. That's their only chance to keep
1: up with this team because you know, w- running it on first down and getting a yard isn't going to help us at all. Yep, absolutely agree. Um, let's hit the let's hit the tight ends before we go. The only guys that I even wrote about, and to your point, man, these guys with the hyphenated names, I love them. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones still not quite at 50% rostered. Uh, It was super easy to see that game coming. In fact, Washington was a huge disappointment fantasy wise, but but Seals Jones still found the end zone still had a good game still saw half dozen targets that was totally predictable and for however long Logan Thomas is out. Uh, he's gonna be a, a perfectly fine play i think a top 12 fantasy option and then i did write about moali Cox because i mean tight end is the one position where i feel like you can actually kind of chase touchdowns uh because outside those those top six or eight um we're just looking for somebody who's gonna get who's gonna get targeted when they when a, a team gets near the goal line not a lot of targets but he has found the end zone in uh, uh three times in his last three games so that's something uh and he's just He's one of those guys where, like, I'm rooting for him to fall into a different situation. And you mentioned it with Jack Doyle. Like, I don't know. I don't know who it's, this is. Ronda multiple like coaches and coaching staffs that Jack Doyle has pictures on, apparently, because Jack Doyle is Jack Doyle seeing a bunch of snaps over Mo Ali Cox is kind of wild. Yeah, it's like the stadiums named after him.
0: Or the, there's a statue of Jack Doyle out in front. You know, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I don't understand it. But I like both of these guys. Seals Jones obviously first because he has a higher target for off the bus. He's going to get five, yeah. six, seven looks. Where with Allie Cox, he might have to make do with three or four. But man, this, this, I, I realize you can say this about any tight end, but Allie Cox really he fills up the uniform really well. When he makes a play, he looks like a runaway freight train. I I would have no problem adding him. If you're really desperate, and again, the six teams on by, a lot of these teams have good tight ends. I do have to mention that CJ Uzoma has scored touchdowns in two of the last yeah. three weeks. There have been injuries that played into that. He was very active in the Thursday game when Cincinnati did not have its full complement of receivers. You're, you're probably going to get two, three, maybe four targets from Uzoma. So I'm, I'm not saying there's any blow up potential here. But Does he have maybe a 30% chance to score a touchdown, 25% chance? I mean, that's what we're grasping at a tight end, right? Anybody who is better than that is already rostered in your league because this league does – we don't have enough tight ends to support it right now. So also, just make sure – Every, every once in a while, he's probably well over 50%. But I keep seeing Ty Conklin dropped here and there in leagues. And hmm. I, I think he's a good player. He had a nice, splashy, long reception at the end of that Minnesota-Carolina game. I, I think he may be 60%, 70 percent whatever. whatever Well, he's about
1: before, to get mass dropped, right? Because Minnesota's going into their into bye. The bye week. And, okay. it's a, so, and it's a brutal bye week. So nobody's, so nobody's what, you, keeping do, what Conklin you do is this,
0: okay? Oh, here's another point we didn't mention. Should be obvious, but I'll, I'll put a specific word on it. With six teams being on by. Your opponents are going to drop players they don't want to drop. You should always be auditing the drops anyway. But there's if there's ever been a time all season where your opponent is going to drop a player, they shouldn't be dropping because they are desperate and they need to and it, it may be something silly like a defense. Yeah. You know, um, some people dropped the Arizona defense before last week. I got to pick them up in advance of the Houston game this week, stuff like that. Look ahead on defense. But Audit all the drops this week because I guarantee you're going to see some players like, oh, my God, that guy was dropped. And what happens when, when good players get dropped is a lot of times people, your opponents don't notice, and then they go into waivers for a couple of days. And then Friday or Saturday comes along and you, you see somebody like Andy Barron's picking up a talented player. Like, oh, I didn't even know he was available. Very frustrating. It's really important you audit the drops this week because I guarantee there's going to be something, especially if you're like one of the 5-1 and one or 4-2 and two teams, 6-0, and oh, God love you. You can wait on a player. You you can hold a player through bye weeks. And, and it'll be better than Ty Conklin, by the way. Although I think Conklin might be a guy who, who gets dropped who I end up making bids on. But just make sure this week more than any other week you audit who gets dropped. There will be talented players available.
1: It's such a good point. So, uh just again to reiterate, six teams on buy, and they're all just they're all just fantasy juggernauts. Like even if they're not real life juggernauts, they all have uh uh interesting fantasy commodities attached to them. So, we really are going to see like there's going to be leagues where Tony pa- I'm just looking at the teams now, Tony Pollard uh hits the waiver wire. There's going to be leagues Chennault will be dropped in leagues, I'm sure. Chenault is going to be dropped um it may even happen with marvin jones because i people ask questions about marvin jones all the time and those are generally the guy like if people are asking sit start questions those are generally the guys who who can end up in a drop discussion when you really get you know when when the roster really gets uh really gets tight and the choices get hard emmanuel sanders is going to hit waiver wires like it's going to be it's going to be ripe somebody notable if you're in a Certainly if you're in a 12 team, 10 team league, um, some notable names are, are going to get are going to hit the wire this week. And that's a it's a really good point to uh, to keep an eye out for them. And that is a pretty good segue to our drop section where you just you just have a fiery drop that I that I can't wait to hear about. So why don't, why don't you start us off? Well, You're dropping a high percentage player, so I, I give you credit for that.
0: I think Rashad Bateman is a little bit of a false hope player right now because he missed a lot of time to start the season. Had four short catches, six targets. This is an offense about Lamar Jackson. This is an offense about Mark Andrews. This is an offense about the glorious breakthrough season of Hollywood Brown. And I realized that Bateman, what he's good at and what they drafted him for fits a role that nobody else in the offense ideally fits. He has a, a place in this offense and I think he'll eventually grow into it. But after getting I think it's Tennessee this week. They don't play in week eight. So if, if Bateman doesn't pop for you this week, you're, you're going to end up dropping him in week eight anyway. And I don't see how you could start him on spec. You kind of need that proof of game anyway. He'd be a great guy. Maybe drop is too strong of a word, but be careful of the endowment effect, which is, I, I think I'm using this term right, which is the idea that the longer you wait for something, if, if I told you <laughs> in June, Andy, I have the greatest Christmas present for you. It's it's wonderful. Wait, wait till you open it. By the time December rolls around, you're going to think, oh, my God, what did he get me? And it's like a pair of socks, it's a pair of and Chicago And
1: bobblehead. Thanks. Yeah, right.
0: Candace Parker bobblehead, which actually would be a pretty <laughs> cool person. That would be welcome. But the fact that we've been waiting for Bateman, he hasn't played for a while, it just adds to the allure of that player sometimes. I, I, I know we want to be fresh on new players. And and we're always looking for the next Kadarius Tony. And I think Bateman will be a good player eventually, but I I think most players who missed the time he missed, it's going to be asking a lot for him to hit the ground running, especially in an offense. And I know Lamar Jackson, you know, right near the top of the MVP discussion. He's come so far as a passer. He used to just be a runner who could throw. Now he's, he's actually winning games with his arm with his pocket awareness. And man, was he unbelievable in that Indianapolis game, but Bateman's still the 3rd month multi-defeat on an offense that would rather run the ball. Right, they ran the ball right down the throats of the Chargers la- last week, and I just don't think this offense can support Bateman right now. So I think he's again the endowment effect is in, is in effect. He's a little bit over rostered, and I think he's going to be dropped at mass after he has like three catches this week. So I, I would have no problem sweetening a trade with him or just dropping him for somebody I needed to start immediately.
1: A couple things I'll say in Bateman's defense. Number one, they man, they threw him right into the fire. Forty five snaps. Right. And they and they I suppose they needed I mean, he's coming off groin surgery, too. So if ever there was like a an injury where you would think, wow, let's ease him in. Let's give him 20 snaps and and see how this goes. But no, they didn't they didn't do that at all. And they didn't perhaps they didn't have the luxury to do it. Uh, Sammy Watkins out. Right. He I do think that he fills a role. In a receiving core that was not previously filled, perhaps. Um, he's for sure a, a, a terrific route runner. Um, he's not he doesn't have a great size, but he but he plays pretty big really good like leverage sort of re- reminds me in some ways um this is a fraught comparison but reminds me a little bit of like alan robinson right like he can he can have a guy on his shoulder and still be open I, right yeah I, a, I was
0: thinking anquan Bolden, the same type
1: of player right yeah He's yeah physical sturdy um not going to run away from people but
0: but but still is the windows there throughout
1: yep and then the other thing is um, Lamar is on pace to to throw the ball 150 more times than he's ever thrown it. And I don't know that that's going to stick necessarily, but it's not just that he's obviously there's been growth as a passer in terms of, you know, it's a yards per completion, yards per attempt and and completion percentage and all that. He's He's been really good. Volume is also just up like the volume is well over 30 attempts per game, which I mean, he's you know, he entered this past week on pace for 5000 passing yards and 1000 rushing yards, which is just an utterly ridiculous season. I mean, probably not going to happen, but what if it does, you know, the number of attempts that he's on pace for is like a perfectly normal 550 after being a guy who would throw the ball like 390, 400 times, he's all of a sudden going to throw it 550 times. So that's a lot more opportunity that's out there. I would, I guess I would have agreed last year that there's no way this passing offense can possibly support, you know, three guys that were regularly starting in fantasy, but I don't know it at, at 500 plus attempts. I, I think they probably can. Your, uh,
0: your dissension is noted. No.
1: Who are you drop? My drop this week, um, and this is this is one of those situations where it's not really my problem. I don't have a lot of this guy, so it's easy for me to say <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> you can you the can Miami go ahead Dolphins and drop. are not your problem. Okay, got it. <laughs> well, I have some Dolphins who very much are my problem. Mike Gasicki is a bit of my problem. Um, oh, he's good. He's he was a good a problem last week. He's been. Fine. I welcome. I welcome um, the Mike Kasicki problem, but um, but Miles Gaskin has not been my problem. I didn't give myself a lot of Miles Gaskin. Like I I I thought he had basically a heroic season last year, right? I don't think he's necessarily built to be a full workload guy. They don't seem to be giving him a full workload this year, obviously. And it if I had him, I just know that I would find this maddening because uh, this is this is two weeks in a row with like with like five carries. And I know I know people got excited last week because he had what do you have 10 catches? Um, he finds the end zone. He was really good. All of a sudden, it looks like Miles Gaskin is back in charge of that backfield. But let's look at the let's look at the snap percentage. Yeah, the snap percentage is the last four weeks. It was 52 and then it was down to 23 on two carries, um, two touches in the game. And then and then back up to 69 and he's, you know, he's catching all kinds of passes. And this past week in the London game, uh, he played 25 snaps. He got he got roughly one third of the uh, of the total snaps. Malcolm Brown was on the field. Ahmed was on the field. Um, The whole gang was playing. Now, I don't expect that you're going to drop Miles Gaskin going into perhaps the most difficult bye week of all time. Um, So maybe maybe this isn't the week. But at, at some point, he becomes totally expendable because I can tell you that. If he were my problem, I would not feel confident starting him, and I don't see why he has any trade value. I wouldn't be interested. Like you could throw his name into a trade as a sweetener, and I I would probably like the trade a little bit more without it. Um, I'm not I'm just not that interested in acquiring him. And when we have a player who you can't trust as a starter and you can't really trade that that guy to me becomes a drop.
0: There you go. That 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 nails it. They just get in your way of progress that you need to make with your roster. Some interesting things. You know, Miles Gaskin, among qualified running backs, had the best yards per target last year. He's a capable receiver, mm-hmm. but he had that big receiving game two weeks ago. Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback. For some qu- quarterbacks, yeah, for yeah. whatever reason, don't seem comfortable with getting their running backs involved, you know, checking down. And I, I didn't see Tua and Gaskin. They looked like they met five minutes before the game, which who knows, maybe <laughs> they did. But so I think the Tua could be – I think he's maybe – Gaskin could have maybe more theoretical value with with Brissette than he would with, with Tua. But obviously they have to play Tua and find out, you know, is he our long-term answer? Do we need a quarterback next year? That type of thing. Another funny thing when you're watching the Dolphins, OK, and when you see them – seeing them make up a different plan quarter to quarter, week to week. They have two co-offensive coordinators. They don't have one offensive coordinator. They have two. And in the, in the words of the great Rivers McCown, uh football Outsiders alum, he's doing work for NBC Edge, a uh, really good football follow He said, when you have two offensive coordinators, you really have none. The, <laughs> the Dolphins offense is like a movie that had too many people working on it, and it was rewritten too many times, <laughs> and it, it had like three different writers and everything. The Dolphins need to, to give their keys to their offense to one guy one voice not not, this co-offensive coordinator thing doesn't work and man do they look disorganized I mean if I were Brian Flores I'd be petitioning to move my bye week to to week seven they need they just went to London and lost to the Jaguars of all things and did a bunch of dumb things there there were challenges that didn't make sense there was timeout usage that didn't make sense play calling why are they going shotgun on fourth and one I, I hate that I, I just this team needs to start over. Other than Mike Gosecki, and I guess Jalen Waddle we have to mention because he's being targeted liberally and he had a couple of touchdowns, you know, Alabama to Alabama Pride, but they need to start over, man. I they beat the Patriots week one because Harris fumbled. They probably should yeah. be winless. Uh, they may be drafting early, but you know, they gave away their picks, right? You know, they moved up to to get stuff. They're gonna crash land. They look like a five win team to me. It's, and I, it's I, another I wanna... it's
1: also a defense that had a lot of fight last year, and we haven't just we've just seen none of it.
0: I feel like the Jaguars should have been favored in that game, or at least it should have All been right. a pick'em. I don't know why Jacksonville in their, their adopted home of London were the underdogs, but um, something stinks in Miami <laughs> right now. Other than Gasecki into a in a deeper league waddle, I don't want to play their quarterback. I don't want to play any of their running backs. I think Brian Flores is a good coach, but I don't I don't think he's having a great coaching season. Part of it is the hand that he's been dealt, and I agree with you. The thing with Gaskin is, again, if you don't trust him to start, you don't you can't trade him. You can't be afraid to drop guys like that, and if you yeah. never make a drop that you regret later, you're playing far too conservatively. Don't let Gaskin get in the way of progress. You may need to keep him through you know bye week Armageddon, but um, he should be somebody that you know, after that, once once your troops come back, you know Miles Gaskin is somebody you can wave.
1: Yeah, that's really well said. I can't top it, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, but we will, of course, keep the conversation going on Twitter. Um, you could follow him at Scott underscore Pianowski. Uh, if you're so inclined, you can follow me at Andy Barons for fantasy news and analysis from the entire team. Please make sure that you're also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, Frank Schwab and Charles Robinson are going to tell you why the Cardinals and Cowboys are for real in the latest episode of You Pod to Win the Game. Should search for that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Scott will be back tomorrow with Frank Schwab. Frank Frank has just like Frank, weaseled his way into everything, hasn't he? He's just on every. Nobody does a pod. This is literally the only Yahoo podcast that doesn't contain. No, he's Frank like Schwab. the baseball starter. He starts and then he, on his off day, he comes in and leaves, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so Schwab will be back. Um, you'll hear him again um, for the usual betting preview of week seven in the NFL right here on the Fantasy Forecast. But until then, we are out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers.
0: But you already knew that.